0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: College football today.
2: Full throttle ahead into week number five, big battle in Blacksburg, number two, Clemson, number 12, Virginia Tech, Saw some upsets last night. Washington State with the upset over fifth-ranked USC, 30-27. to 27. Unbelievable outcome in the Palouse. But, Rich, when you look at that battle in Duke last night in Durham, a convincing victory by the Miami Hurricanes and their quarterback Malik Rozier. Mark Rick seems to have this team going in the right direction for ACC conference play.
3: Yeah, I I think they're steamrolling into Florida State (laughs) next week. I mean, I was so impressed by the Miami program. We didn't know really what to expect from the Hurricanes. They had issues with Hurricane Irma, didn't play for a long period of time, opened with Bethune-Cookman. Last week against Toledo, you know, it took a while before they pulled away in the second half, gave up a lot of yards and a lot of points. But last night, I think we got an idea of the potential of Miami. And they did it on a night when Mark Walton, Joe, was not the story on offense. Mark Walton, the running back, is the best offensive player for Miami. He is the catalyst. And I think he was around 50, 52 yards on the ground, never sprung him. But Malik Rogier, the quarterback, the successor to Brad Kaya, played very well, efficient. Reminded me of a Kelly Bryant type of an effort. Did some things on the ground, was efficient through the air. Defensively, though, Manny Diaz, the defensive coordinator, is really turning up the notch with these young kids. Now sophomores like Michael Pinckney at linebacker, Shaq Quarterman at linebacker. The defensive front might be as good as any outside of Clemson in the ACC. So Miami, again, don't want to jump too he- uh, too far ahead. We'll spend a lot of time next week on Miami, Florida State. But Miami is really looking like they could be contending... For the ACC Coastal and maybe even put a fight up against Clemson in an ACC title yeah, game. Yeah, I
2: mean, I was very impressed with Norton's play last night as well as, and this defense has gotten better in run support. As long as they can do that and force third down and long situations, they have the speed on the outside to play man-to-man coverage, which will allow Manny Diaz to dial up blitz packages. Which he likes to do. Right, and he's, he's one of the best in college football at doing that, so keep an eye out for Miami as they move through ACC play, a big game Next week against Florida State. Have to see how Florida State fares a little bit later today in uh, Wake Forest. That's a critical ball game for the psychological effects of Florida State. Now 0 2 for the first time since 1989. But I want to circle back to USC for a second now. They have one loss for USC to get back into the mix, Rich, is going to be very, very difficult, barring some losses out of the top five because they do not play Washington this year. They're only top 10. 10, I want to say top opponent is a road game in Boulder and you need teams like Oregon and Cal uh, to really win out to, to make a stand. Joe, it's a great point. And, and, and in a year,
3: I'll throw this out to you, in a year where the Big 12 is flexing its muscles a little bit, where Oklahoma beats in Ohio State, TCU is making statements, this could be the year that the Pac-12, not the Big 12, is left out of the playoff mix. If you're
2: a USC fan you want to see Washington State win out, you want to win your division and have a rematch in the Pac-12 championship game a little bit later in the year. When we come back, we'll be talking about Iowa-Michigan State, Jolie C Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You know it's football season when I'm sipping my pumpkin spice coffee. October is right around the corner, and this is what it's all about. College football season's here. Week number five, we're going to jump right into a a great battle. Iowa-Michigan State, a rematch of the Big Ten championship game from 2015. Michigan State on that 22-play drive to solidify the 16-13 victory over Iowa and C.J. Bethard. Rematch City in East Lansing. I like I like Michigan State and LaVardi here. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, listen again. I don't. I don't want to get
3: too much into the heads of young players. I don't want to play crack psychologist. I, I'm a little worried about Iowa's mindset after the gut wrenching loss. I mean, I was so close yeah. to a victory. Would have been a season changing victory for Iowa. They didn't get it. But I like the defense of Iowa. You look at the way they played, led by Josie Jewell, Joshua Jackson on the back end. The, the points that Penn State scored, it was their lowest total, Joe, going back to the Michigan game early last year. So it was 15 games, the lowest points that Penn State has scored. So Iowa did a nice job for all the talk about Saquon Barkley, and he was sensational. You know, they really kept the Penn State offense largely in check. You have Akram Wadley out of the backfield, one of my favorite running backs in the country that not enough people, to talk, uh, not enough people talk about. And I was unimpressed. I liked Michigan State. Maybe I feel a little jilted. And maybe I'm trying to take a swipe at the Spartans at this point. But I was so unimpressed. Lewerke has potential they behind came out center. Flat. Yeah, 38-18 to 18 against a Notre Dame team that I thought was beatable in that game. So the young Michigan State team, Mark D'Antonio has got youth on both sides of the ball. I think there's still some maturing to do, even though that game is in East Lansing. I expect Iowa to bounce back. Love the defense. Love the running game. Nate Stanley's getting better. That's one of my best bets of the afternoon. Wow.
2: It's not one of my best picks. I like Michigan State. Now, you mentioned Nathan Stanley. I mean, 12 touchdown passes, one interception. You mentioned Wadley. I mean, he leads the team in rushing and reception yards. 227 receiving yards on 10 receptions. I mean, that's a a phenomenal uh, added value to that offense. But here's what I look at when I look at this ballgame and why I favor Michigan State. Statistically, Michigan State playing very well defensively, Rich. They're giving up 121 rushing yards on the ground, only 132 passing yards, two opposing offenses. The one MO of this team is turnovers and turnover margin. They're negative six in turnover margin. They were negative last year for the first time since 2009. And when you look at this team by Mark D'Antonio, what he built there from 2013 through 2015, you're talking about a team that was plus. Three. in turnover margin. I mean, when they can't create turnovers and give Lewerke and that offense a short field, they're in for a long day, but I do feel that Lewerke brings an added value like Trace McSorley did. I think they can score some points, and I think he could attack that secondary of Iowa that's given up 249 passing yards per game.
3: Yeah, even in losing, I was impressed by Iowa. I think they bounce back. Michigan State still has some growing pains. You talk about turnovers. Michigan State has eight turnover so far this season. Brian Lawoke has been one of the uh, one of the causes of those turnovers. So I like the potential. I like the wheels of Lawoke. But again, I think the general theme of Michigan State right now is young and inexperienced versus a veteran Iowa team that I think is capable of ba- uh, bouncing back. L- listen, had one of those Iowa defensive backs, you know, just not short-arm that ball that wound An up inch. in Jawan. No. We would we would have been talking more about Akram Wadley. Exactly. I take nothing that away from... Saquon Barkley unbelievable is, is game. A Best game of
2: the weekend last
3: but week. Wadley was so good in the passing game and on the ground. So I think the combination of that offensive line, the running game, plus the Iowa defense... Uh, I. I see Iowa winning this game and getting back on yeah,
2: track. Yeah, I see Michigan State winning a low-scoring. I have a 10 points, like a 24-14. I don't think it'll be high-scoring, but how do you see it playing out? High-scoring, low-scoring? No, I mean,
3: these types of teams are not high-scoring programs. I could see this being somewhere in the mix of
2: a 28-20 to Iowa victory. All right, let's move on. Rich loves Iowa today. I like Michigan State. Not a best peck pick for me we'll see how that game plays out it's a four o'clock kick on Fox check it out a little bit later today here's a very intriguing battle Mississippi State getting blown out by Georgia on the road in the plains to face Jared Stidham and Auburn Mississippi State's won three of the last five and they've won those games by 13.6 points per game Auburn coming off a very dominating effort over Missouri 51 to 14 Rich I said if I jump on Missouri the rest of the year you have my To slap me on air. I'm, on air. You can I slap will me if slap I take you. Missouri later in the year. Below the neck I- or above
3: <laughs> the neck? I mean, what are the guide rules for this? Because. If you take Missouri, I am absolutely taking a swipe at least on well, the air. Well, we'll see
2: how that plays out a little bit later in the year. But when I look at this game overall, I like Mississippi State here. I'm still not sold on Auburn. We saw what Jared Stidham brings. This is an offense now that's rushing for 199 yards on the ground, passing for about 210 through the air. But I'm still not sold on the consistency. Yeah, he got back-to-back wins over Missouri and Mercer, but this is going to be a solid defense by Mississippi. State, even though they got steamrolled in Athens, still only giving up 129 passing yards through the air. Jared Sidham's going to have to make plays, but I'll take my chances with the more experienced quarterback in Nick Fitzgerald.
3: I, I think this is a fascinating game because, you know, I look at Mississippi State, liked them a lot last week, obviously, lost that game versus Georgia. But, you know, Mississippi State, my question to you right now is who are you? Are you the team that beat LSU? Adley routed LSU two weeks ago or are you the team that came up flat and was dismal against Georgia I don't know the identity I don't know the potential of this Mississippi State team I love Nick Fitzgerald love Jeffrey Simmons on the defensive side of the ball but my thinking, and, and this, this is this is where my mind went this week, in case you're wondering. Right off the bat, I took a look at the line on Monday and I said, too many points for Mississippi State. I, I mean, and it looks like a lot because these are two quality programs that have, you know, potential out of the SEC West. But then as the week developed, as I started to dig a little deeper, I, I began to gravitate towards Auburn. And, and, and against my initial judgment, I like Auburn laying these points, and I'll tell you why. Auburn's defense without a lot of household names is one of the most underrated units in the country. I, I think people are bypassing, you know, the Marlon Davidsons, the Trey Williams at linebacker. Jeff Holland is a kid who's not getting enough talk right now. That defense is allowing 2.6 yards per carry against the Mississippi state team that has to run the ball to be successful. I think this is the game and I'm not basing it on the Missouri win and obviously didn't play well against Mercer. I think this is the game where we look at Auburn, where they put an a game forward offensively and defensively build off of that Mizzou victory. And we look at this team and it's a fork in the road moment. I think they do win by, I don't think it's a bloodbath, but I think they win by 13 or 14 points. And we say, Yeah, that's the Auburn team that we talked about in the offseason that might be a long shot challenge out of the SEC West. So I, I think this is the moment tonight where Auburn gives us their best effort and look like a team that could win ten games in two thousand. I think it's
2: going to be a low-scoring game. I have a twenty-three to twenty. I think Nick Fitzgerald's mobility is the difference. And now I know Kerryon Johnson came back last week. He had five rushing touchdowns. Auburn looked fantastic offensively, defensively, but it's still Auburn. And I hate to say that, but until you follow through, this has been a team that has had top ten expectations each and every season and now Jared Stidham's there he's really not lighting the world on fire only 800 passing yards on the on the year rich i mean doesn't have like eight touchdowns yeah. two interceptions i mean only three passing touchdowns so this is a quarterback that has gotten victories but now again everybody's turning to that Clemson game they have to show some consistency against a solid team as well. And remember, not you, but everybody in the media that was calling for Dan Mullen to be this top ten coach, now everybody jumped off the bandwagon. He's staying in Starkville for now. He's still a better coach, in my opinion, than Gus Malzahn. And until Gus Malzahn shows me something, I'm back in Mississippi State in this ballgame. game. I think it's low scoring, but the Bulldogs do get the victory. Later the victory, today. outright. Okay.
3: I, yeah, yeah I, I think this is. I think this is a coming out party, not so much for Jarrett Stidham because. Because he's he has been adapting to the new offense and the new personnel and the new environment slowly. So I, I think it's happening slower than I expected. I expected to see a little more out of Stidham. But with Cam Petway being healthy, on Johnson, you mentioned out of the backfield. I think Auburn, I think this is the coming out party for Auburn in 2017. Yeah, it's a 6 tonight.
2: o'clock kick on ESPN. Check it out. Rich game. Rich likes yeah. Auburn. I like Miss State for the outright victory. Another intriguing battle. 10 o'clock kick. Colorado, UCLA. UCLA's owned the series. Won four of the last five by 14 points per game. But Colorado did get the 20-10 to 10 victory in Boulder last year. This is a UCLA team, Rich, that allowed 405 rushing yards to Stanford entering this fall game. They're allowing 307 rushing yards on the ground to opposing offenses. Colorado gets the seven-point victory later tonight. I'm with you.
3: I, I mean, I, I love Colorado in the outright victory. Forget the points. I can't take UCLA <laughs> anymore. They are just abysmal on defense. I'll, I'll, I'll just put this one number out there. There's 130 teams in the FBS. Only one is allowing more yards per carry than UCLA. I think Phillip Lindsay runs wild. Colorado's a better team than last week's loss to, uh, to Washington. I'm with you, Joe. I think Colorado wins it outright.
2: Third downs will be key as well. Colorado holding opposing offenses, to 29% of the third down conversions. When we come back, we'll be joined by former Penn State captain Lee Rubin. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live from New York, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Talk Penn State Indiana. You got to reach out to a former captain, big player for the Nittany Lions from 1989 through 1993. He's live on the fantasy sports celebrity guest line. Want to welcome in former Penn State captain and one of the best motivational speakers I know, Lee Rubin. Lee, how are you today?
0: Joe, I'm doing great, man. How are you?
2: I'm doing well, Lee. Great, great game last week in Iowa City. Penn State escaped. What a 21-19 to 19 yeah. win over the Hawkeyes. But again, a gutty win, Lee, overall. I think it was a quality win by McSorley and the crew, but I know a lot of Penn State fans not happy. Where do you see the mindset of this team as they make their way today in uh, Happy Valley against Indiana?
0: Well, I, I think just looking back at last week, it was it was an important win, a really important win. Um, you, you mentioned Prince State fans being unhappy. I'm not sure exactly why. The, the, the Iowa game has always been a tough game. Um, and, and, you know, factor in, we beat them pretty handily last year. So um, I'm sure that was a top of mind for them. Our first road game, Um, I just think a gutsy win, you know, where you had some adversity in a a tough environment, and I think it showed the maturity. So I think we're bringing that into this week's game against Indiana, and uh, I I think we'll be in good shape.
3: Lee, what, if anything, have you learned about Saquon Barkley through this first month of the season that you didn't know uh, before week one? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Nothing <laughs> um, uh, he has demonstrated what I think we we've, we've already seen um, he's he's taken it to another level um, it's just scary how big and fast and strong this kid is how you know how well he does a number of different things you know for as much as he did throughout the game and the yards and the stats and the records his blocks on that final drive when he wasn't the the go-to guy were critical. And I'm just really impressed with him. Um, I can't say he doesn't continue to impress me, but there's, there's no surprises. I think that's the best way to say it.
2: Lee, when you look at the offense and defense heading into this matchup against Indiana later today, I mean they struggled last year. It was a 7-point game for much of the uh, way before they pulled away with a last-second touchdown to win that ball game by 14 points. They've won now four of the last five over Indiana by 16.8 points per game. Where do you see Penn State defensively attacking Indiana and in their quarterback situation of uh, Peyton Ramsey and Richard Lego?
0: Yeah, no, I, I I think we will attack. You cannot allow their quarterback to just sit back and, and, and find moving targets. Um, you know, he, he's proven he can throw the ball. He's proven he can find the open targets. Um, we're we're going to have to attack them. We're going to have to score some points pretty early to put them in a position where they have to throw the ball, where, you know, where we can, can be a, a bit more um we, we can be. We can attack a bit more in the passing game once we know that that's what they have to do. So, um, it, so again, it's it's all three phases of the game. I think if we put some points on the board early, we'll put them in a position where they have to throw more than they even want to. Uh,
3: Lee, I, I think if there's any knock on Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley, it's that they're they're really dominating the headlines so much that we're not paying enough attention to this Penn State defense. As I've watched the first four weeks last week against Iowa, I, you know, Sharif Miller and, and Marcus Allen on the back end, talk a little bit about the defense and how their development has uh, has evolved this season.
0: Yeah, they've, they've grown tremendously, and if you look at the situation last week against Iowa, the, the points that were scored, a couple of them, well, there was a couple late scores, but th- there was some quick Quick transitions, meaning there were some turnovers, and the defense had to come on the field and respond quickly and, and, and keep them out of the end zone. The, the, you know, the defense is 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 growing, they're maturing, they're bonding, they're developing that chemistry. Um, you know, in years past, it was you know some patchwork stuff going on where you know we were just having a bunch of guys and the, the, the depth at linebacker. We had so many guys getting hurt. It's good to see that unit uh, playing well and you know I I, I made this observation yesterday we're playing without one of our top corners John Reed who was hurt from last year Uh, you know people forget about him so uh, you know the thing the the thing about Penn State is our defense has always been noted as as special it's really cool that (laughs) that we're we're able to put up points you know 25 30 points a game That, that 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 helps the defense out tremendously
2: Lee, when you look at the mindset of this team, I mean, last year, Big Ten champions and a lot of people felt that they should have been in the college football playoff, but from a mental resolve aspect, do you feel like this team, and I know that you spoke to them, came into this year with a chip on their shoulder to really prove that they were, in fact, the best team in the conference last year and it really showcased uh, last week in Iowa
0: City? Yeah, yeah, Joe. You know, I I don't know if I would call it a chip. I would... I would call it a, a level of maturity and, and and pride in the program. Where okay, okay we we are in a situation last year where we put we put ourselves in a position where we allowed other people to determine whether or not we should be in that playoff system. We lost we lost the pit, we lost the Michigan. Uh, you know, I, I think the focus is there now. Where you know, and demonstrated last week, like we can't afford to 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 put ourselves in a position where we give voters. A chance not to put us in that top four, so I, you know I don't know if a, if I would call it a chip as much as I would call it maturity and understanding. Right, you control as much as you can control, um, and 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 you know if if, if we went out, we're, we're in a whole lot better position than if we don't. Lee,
3: tell our audience about James Franklin. I'm always fascinated by leadership, um, by by the ability to get young kids to buy in, and and James has done. Really, a remarkable job in a short period of time. What have you seen firsthand from James Franklin and his uh, leadership skills?
0: Yeah, he he has amazing enthusiasm, but his communication skills are really strong. And and what what I've learned from the work that I do and being around great coaches, great uh, corporate leaders, is the, the principles of success don't really change. Your ability to communicate. Those principles and get young people to buy in is critical. Um, He's got that ability. He's able to identify with them. You see, you know, his presence on social media. He recruits like a madman. Um, um, but it's not just his effort, it's his ability to communicate those principles, timeless truths, so to speak, and share them in a way where young people buy in. You know, we, we, we happen to have some really mature guys. You mentioned Trace, you mentioned Saquon, you mentioned Marcus Allen. Those guys get Get it, and when your te- when your your players are leading and they've bought in, and and they're creating a culture where others buy in, you know it's it's not as much of a pull on the coach. So again, his ability to communicate those principles and get young people, especially the leaders, to buy in, I, I think that's what makes him different.
2: Lee, when you look at Penn State matching up against teams like Michigan that they're going to have to face a little bit later in the year, and Ohio State, a yep. rematch of that victory in Happy Valley last year. What do you feel Trace McSorley needs in terms of his progression to take the team to the next level?
0: I don't know. I I think uh, as long as we continue to get better and remain consistent, we'll we'll be in good shape. Um, We've been in big games. We've been in big games on the road. We've been in tough environments. You know, I I think... as long as we continue to again develop that chemistry and sharpen some things some you know some timing some some uh some schemes i i think we're going to be okay these these kids are they're battle tested you know we 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 were the Rose Bowl. It came down to a last-second field goal. The, the Big Ten championship against a, a tough Wisconsin team. Um, you know they've demonstrated that they're cool under pressure. So as long as we continue sharpening what we do and being a bit more consistent and uh, developing team chemistry, um, I think we're going to be okay. Again, today's only week five, um, and 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 I think we're we're progressing the way we should be progressing.
3: Lee, do do those of us in the media overstate the the concept of a letdown when it comes to really any level of sports? But after the big victory last week, emotional in Iowa City, uh, any thoughts about a letdown this weekend against Indiana? I have
0: a hard time identifying with that. Right, you're, you're a college athlete. You you only play for four years. You might get twelve games a year. Um, I, I there are to my point, there are no letdowns, right? You only get a chance to play this game a certain number of times. There's a limited number of times if you stay healthy. Um, th- today is an opportunity to play football. And if you love the game, you, it doesn't matter what happened last week or what happens in the next couple weeks. Today you get to play the game you love. Go play it. Lee,
2: great information. One of the most intense individuals that I know. We hope you enjoyed it today. We'd love to get you on a little bit later in the year as Penn State makes its way to some of the bigger games on their schedule.
0: Joe, appreciate it. Um, and You've got a lot of nerve calling somebody intense. I don't know if there's anybody more <laughs> intense. <interesting. laughs> You, you
2: are the man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lee Rubin, former right, so Penn State really captain. I appreciate it. Love,
0: love, what you, love what you're doing. Love the way you do it, man. You make it
2: happen. Well, I appreciate that. Good friend of the show, Lee Rubin. I know we spoke to them in the offseason. And the one thing I think that I've heard and reading about the Penn State fans was that they were disappointed. And I look at it as the uh, uh, other flip side. I look at that win last week in Iowa City as a gut check. They overcame adversity. Yes, it was by a fingernail, but they found a way all, to agree. get through it. And you can look, look at any team that has won the national championship over the last couple of years. Alabama lost to Ole Miss a couple of years ago. Clemson lost to Pittsburgh. Penn State found a way to get it done against the Iowa I think Hawker. it was
3: James Franklin that said it in the postgame Uh, press conference, every team has that kind of a game. But if you're a championship caliber team, or a team that's thinking championship... You, you have to win at least one game like that. And you did it in Iowa City. I mean, I, I, if it was in Piscataway, I would say maybe there are flaws that we didn't see in Penn State. That was not the case. So yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that was something that you build on and move closer to a repeat uh, Big Ten championship. It's
2: why you work in the offseason, why you crawl on your hands and knees and do all the dirty work so that you can win a game in Iowa City with no time left on the clock. When we come back, we'll be joined by Game Time Decisions Guru and host Gabe Morenzi will give us his best bets for the day. Joe Ritz Sermonello, Fantasy Sports Radio
4: Network.
2: battles taking place at 12 and 3 30 what better way to talk about those battles than with game time decisions host gabe morenzi he's live on the fantasy sports celebrity guest line gabe how are you today I'm not a celebrity,
1: but I'm ready to rock and roll, Joe. Let's
2: do this thing. <laughs> well, Gabe, you're a celebrity in our hearts, and uh, I call you my cousin as well, so let's knock him dead today. Big battle taking place in Neyland Stadium, Georgia, Tennessee. Tennessee's won the last two games by a total of 10 points. I'm a Georgia fan, but I still think Tennessee will be in this game from start to finish. Rich likes Georgia. How do you see this game playing out?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, my segment today should be brought to you from the the people uh, from PETA because (laughs) I'm walking the dogs with you today, uh, Joe, and I'm not talking about the Bulldogs. Listen, I'm I'm all aware of Tennessee's uh, problems, and there's a long laundry list of these problems that the Vols have, Uh, but I'm also aware of the history of this rivalry between the two teams. And as you mentioned, Joe, uh, not just the last, uh, last game, not just the last two games, if you look back at the history over the years of this series, You know, we have some. Last year, we had two Hail Marys at the end of a football game. And we're seeing. Usually, it's not until week six and week seven um, that, um, you know, the vice grips start to tighten and the pressure starts to mount uh, on these teams. Yet, I think we're going to see that accelerate a little bit this year. We saw that with the USC Trojans uh, last night. I think Georgia's going to start to feel a little pressure. I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia escaped with a victory here. I'm very big on this Bulldog team. I think they can do special teams this year. But I don't see how I can justify laying eight and a half points on the road in this football game. I think we've got a real live home dog here uh, with the Vols. Kelly's got to churn and uh, move the sticks, um, eat the clock up a little bit. Obviously, listen, I, I'm aware this isn't the best Tennessee volunteer team. And there's a lot of rumors about the locker room and potentially that the coach has lost uh, the room. But with all that being stated, you know, they can lose this football game as long as they don't lose by nine. I'm betting on the the Tennessee Volunteers. It's one of my best bets of the week. I'm taking a chance with a live home dog here today. Gabe,
3: okay, before we get to the other uh, best bets that you have in the early games, talk to us about the big one out of the ACC. What have you seen from Virginia Tech and Clemson? What's your take on this game?
1: I'm starting to talk myself out of Virginia Tech uh, here, Rich, and you know, overanalysis leads to paralysis as we all know. You know, we, we've um, people have doubted Clemson on a weekly basis. We only had to lay four points against the Auburn Tigers. We only had to lay three points uh, against, uh, against Louisville. And I think this is a tough spot. But at the same point in time, is Virginia Tech going to be able to hang around for 60 minutes? I'm going to take a chance. I've told people that I think we've got a live dog here with Tech. It's more of a – I think Kelly Bryant's due for a bad game. Just sort of that – you know, Clemson are great, yes. They've been down this road before, yes. Uh, but this is going to be a hostile environment day here this evening. I'm a big Fuente fan. And when I can get, uh, when I can get uh, points with Fuentes an underdog, I've got to take a look. I'm not going to step up. It's not a, I'm all in, let's push all the chips in here. Because Clemson are that good. Uh, but if there's one spot that Dabo Sweeney uh, hasn't been godlike, It has been laying points on the road in conference play. And this just seems a little bit high to me. The back door is always going to be open. If we're down by 10, if we're down by 14, we can get a late touchdown. Uh, Virginia Tech just have to hang around early. If they can get out, you know, I know it's cliche, but if Vought Tech can get off to a good start in this football game, uh, make Bryant play under pressure as opposed to playing ahead on the six uh, on the scoreboard all night. You know, can I call it a best bet of the week? No. Uh, but I know people are going to want to bet it. It's a primetime game, and they're going to want to pull the trigger on it. I'm going to take a shot with the dog. I actually like the other uh, primetime game tonight. And, you know, freaking uh, Oklahoma State, right? I mean, you know, they let us down, guys, once again. Me and Cousin Joe were all over Oak <laughs> State coming into this year. This is what they do. They find ways to lose games that they're supposed to win. And props to uh, the TCU. I don't even mind Oak State losing that game. Just to, you know, they were, they were flatter than a two-day-old Budweiser, man, that was left out, you know, on the balcony. Um, very, very disappointing performance. And, you know, some teams like Vanderbilt, we'll get to Vanderbilt in a second. Vanderbilt got smashed last week. Vanderbilt didn't think they were going to the, uh, the college football playoffs. Vanderbilt be going to be happy with an eight, win, uh, eight wins this year. They can rebound. Oklahoma State realizes it's all over. We're not going to the national championship. You're not winning the Heisman. You're not even going to be invited to New York right now, Uh, Rudolph. I think they realize, man, we really screwed up. It's over. You know, Vanderbilt can shake it off. I think there could be some residual effects with Oak State. And this Texas Tech team, I think, is uh, is better than people realize. They're sprinkling in some stops every now and then. Primetime television coming off a big win against the Houston Cougars last week. I like the momentum of a team of getting double-digit points on their home field tonight. So on the primetime games tonight, like I said i don't like a lot of favorites tonight one of the few favorites i like this afternoon i think florida state gets on track against El wake forest but for the most part guys i'm pulling the trigger with the underdogs and i love vandy in the
2: early game today here's another battle it's a big 10 battle equal teams i guess defensively in my opinion you got iowa coming off the disappointing uh home loss to penn state michigan state getting blown out by notre dame we're against each other here rich really likes iowa i could see d'antonio and the crew bouncing back here i like Luwerki. how do you see this game playing out
1: i hate this game and you know I, I hate to be uh i'm supposed to be professional here because i'm on celebrity hotline uh, but man do i hate betting on teams that i hate i'm a michigan guy hail to the victor wolverine so i enjoy watching sparty embarrass themselves uh like they did last week on national television uh but this is a tough football game who's gonna bounce back you know this is really tough man you got iowa coming off that heartbreaking loss You got Michigan State coming off this loss. Gun to head, I'm not betting this game, guys. Gun to head, give me the Iowa Hawkeyes. I just don't trust this Michigan State team. I don't think they're that good. I think that they could have a hard time picking themselves up off the mat after that humiliation. I think if you're Iowa, I don't believe in moral victories, guys. Moral victories don't pay the bills. And moral victories don't keep your job if you're a head coach for too long. But I think Iowa feels pretty good about themselves. I think Iowa can find a way and go on the road and win this football game. Not one of my best bets of the week, though. Help
3: break the tie here, uh, Joe and I were butting heads uh, pretty viciously in the uh, Vanderbilt Florida game. I love the Commodores. Uh, Joe likes Florida. He is uh, he is all he's he's on the Luke Del Rio train. All
2: in, Gabe. I'm all in, cousin Gabe.
3: Help uh, help break the tie for your uncle right now on uh, Vanderbilt Florida, okay?
1: I didn't realize Joe had a drinking problem <laughs> uh, because uh, you're all in on Del Rio whoa I'm just kidding Joe Joe's the most sober guy You know he's all business I, I might have some problems <laughs> but uh, Joe I'm just kidding there um you know this football game to me and what an era that we're in right now when nine guys get busted for credit card fraud and it's a uh, meh meh <laughs> like, absolutely McAlwain's like wow this that went pretty good you know, that's like telling your parents you just crashed the car and they're too busy arguing with each other. You know what I mean? You just go to your room. All right, that, that went a lot better than I thought it would. Um, yeah, I look at the Florida Gator team. I don't like the quarterback situation. Uh, I just don't, I can't justify laying this type of number. And everybody remembers. We live in a, we live in a society with short attention span and betters have always had short attention span. So they're going to remember what they saw last. And what they saw last was Vandy get punched in the mouth by the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'll tell you what. Alabama last week, the way they played, they would have beaten the Dallas Cowboys 21-0. Um, yeah, they, they came to play. Saban wanted to send a message after sleepwalking through non-conference opponents. And I told you guys, it's amazing. Saban's like 1-12 against the spread. Uh, the, last, um, the last 13 times, he's laid 28 or more points to non-conference teams. And then you see what he does in the conference. Saban's the type of guy that's nice to strangers, uh, but he'll run his neighbors into the ground, man. And... Um, I think Vanderbilt, like I said, guys, I I think Mason's a great coach. I think he can get these kids dialed in. I think the Vanderbilt kids, obviously, they're smart kids uh, from an intellectual standpoint. And as I stated, we're not talking about a team that thought they were going to the national championship. Vanderbilt are on the upswing. They talked a lot of smack last week. They learned a lesson. Uh, But ultimately, you know, Vanderbilt are playing for a big bowl game. They're trying to get into a nice bowl game. You know, Vanderbilt plays in the Outback Bowl, all right? They're making a statue. Uh, of Mason outside the stadium. So I think they can pick themselves up. I think Mason can do a good job of picking themselves up and tell them, guys, last week's forgotten. We're going to come in against Gainesville. We're going to beat these guys outright. And I think they can beat the Gators outright. Gators have some problems, man. Uh, it, it's just you know Tennessee or Tennessee, and they found a way to do it. Last week, 31 years in a row now. Uh, I, I don't trust the Gators laying the points here. And me personally, I think France is the best quarterback in a bunch that they have. I don't understand the constant movement at the quarterback position here with these guys. I just think it's a low-scoring game. Give me the Commodores plus the
2: points. Gabe, great insight, great information. We're going to have you on at 1140. We'll get your best bets for 330, 8 o'clock, and along with 10 o'clock matchups. We'll see you in about an hour.
1: I want to pull the trigger on Syracuse plus the points as well, guys. Let down spot for NC State. Take the points with the Orange.
2: I could see that. You know why? I'll tell you why I see that pick. Because the way you attack NC State is what I said last week. You have to attack their secondary that's giving up around 259 yards per game. James Blackman... Didn't really do it, didn't have the opportunity. Didn't have time. To be, well, well, yeah. And on top of it, he was a young, inexperienced quarterback. Eric Dungy in that offense looked very well on the road in Baton Rouge against a solid LSU defense, even though no, LSU hasn't played very well uh, since that loss to Mississippi State in terms of consistency. I mean, they haven't shown defensive no, consistency no. since they dominated BYU. They still put up points and I could see NC State being on uh upset alert here Inconsistency
3: a bit later. has been the really the uh you know sort of the mindset of NC State under Dave Doran. We we've seen it before. They can hang with Clemson and Florida State, beat the Seminoles, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if they sort of uh, sleepwalk through Syracuse, Dino Babers Now his system is starting to percolate for Syracuse. They may not win a lot of games, but they're going to score a lot of points.
2: Yeah, and NC State got that victory in the Carrier Dome last year by 15 points. So see how that plays out. Gabe likes Syracuse plus the points a little bit later today in Raleigh. When we come back, we'll be talking about the other top 25 games, including Alabama and Florida State. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Keep it where it is. Rapid fire selections. We talked to former Penn State captain Lee Rubin. We broke down Penn State and Indiana. Rich, Penn State's won. For the last five, by 16 points per game, but I like the speed of Indiana on the outside. Lego Ramsey at the quarterback position. Simi Cobbs comes back. I could see Indiana being in this game from start to finish, but in the end, Penn State does get a 14-point victory later. Tonight. Yeah, I, I
3: understand your logic. It, it wouldn't shock me considering Penn State's big victory uh, at Iowa last week. But you know, when I drill down on the on the uh, Indiana defense, they're giving up a lot of yards on the ground. Uh, offensively, they're 91st nationally in third down conversion. So despite the record and the big win over Virginia, which, by the way, is getting better each week, that win keeps looking better. I think Penn State might start slowly, but the second half, I could see them outscoring Indiana 21-3. to three. I, I think they get the cover in the second half of this game. The
2: matchup you want to see play out is can Penn State run the football on that Indiana defense that's given up around 196 rushing yards on the ground to opposing offenses. If Saquon Barkley gets started fast, could be a long day for Indiana in Happy Valley later today. Another intriguing battle is a Big Ten uh, game. It is P.J. Fleck and Minnesota undefeated at home against Maryland, coming off a very disappointing lackluster loss, Rich, to UCF, 38-10. They have quarterback issues, but I think Ty Johnson and this offense can make enough plays to keep this game close. Minnesota might win, but I think Maryland covers this number later today. I
3: think Minnesota does win. This is one of my six best bets of the weekend. I really like Minnesota. I like the way they've bought into P.J. Fleck, not just offensively, with the running game little bit one-dimensional. Connor Roder, the quarterback, is not going to open things up, but they have three quality backs and a defense that's allowing eight points per game. Now, they haven't played great competition, but when you look at Maryland, they're down to what is essentially their fourth-string quarterback. Max Bortenschlager played a little bit last week, did not do anything against UCF. I think this is one of those weekends where the wheels could come off for Maryland. I mean, it felt like yesterday that they were beating Texas, and now they've begun to skid with that awful performance against UCF at home. Now they go on the road. I think Minnesota wins handily in this game.
2: The speed of UCF gave Maryland's defense some problems. I don't know if Minnesota's as fast on the perimeter, but we'll see how that game plays out at 12 o'clock. It's a 12 o'clock kick at home for Minnesota. Another intriguing battle is Stanford coming off a dominating home win over Josh Rosen and UCLA and Arizona State with the upset of Oregon uh, in uh, Tempe last week. I liked Arizona State. I think the momentum continues. When you look at Stanford, the way you have to beat the Cardinals over the top, Manny Wilkins playing much better in the system. I think Arizona State can cover this number. And more importantly, I think they can strike the upset later today. I won't go as
3: far as the upset, but I I agree with you. I I think people are sleeping on ASU at this point. An impressive victory against Oregon. They needed that. Todd Graham needed that. I'll double down. Manny Wilkins is playing. The defense is an atrocity, and they'll struggle against Bryce Love. But offensively, Manny... Wilkins, Kalen Balage, Demario Richard uh, out of the backfield against us. This is not a vintage stamp. This is the reason why I like ASU. It's not a vintage Stanford defense. They're giving up almost 30 points per game. They can be run on the secondary. I think I overrated the secondary in the offseason. They're beatable. I'll take ASU as well.
2: Here's a game I really like. It is Georgia Tech, North Carolina. North Carolina's won three of the last five. They got the victory last year, 48 to 20. But this is a different Georgia Tech team. They're converting 54% of their third down conversions, holding opposing offenses to 26% on third downs. And more importantly, holding opposing offenses to 264 total yards per game, 164 through the air, only 100 on the ground. That's the difference, coupled with the fact that Austin Prohl and a number of Tar Heels are hurt. Georgia Tech wins this ballgame convincingly, 17 points or more. When we come back, Rich and I will be talking about the other top 25 games. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.